Hey again, everyone. Welcome to another edition of the Bavada at Odds podcast. I'm your host, Seth Everett. The head odds maker at Bavada Sportsbook is Patrick Morrow. And Patrick, you know, it's funny during the course of the year, we we slip in some hockey. We slip it in, you know, because you're a hockey fan. You live up in Canada. I'm a diehard hockey fan. My career started in hockey. Uh, we, we love the sport. But when it has a week like it's had where the games are all going to overtime, they're all one goal games, they're all intense. And every team who's in the playoffs thinks that this is the start of something big. There is nothing like the Stanley Cup playoffs in sports. No. And as a Canadian, uh, you really don't uh, become an adult in Canada until you turn 16 and you determine whether you're going to be drafted by one of the junior teams or not. You break your dad's heart, you go and do something else with your life and move on. But uh, yeah, I, I grew up with the backyard hockey rink, the playing, you know, three, four times a week, road hockey when it wasn't winter. Uh, you know, that was my life growing up. And my dad was very much one of those overbearing dads that really drove me into just the love of the game, but also, you know, the simple stuff. Hey, you get to stay up late on Saturday night for hockey night in Canada, especially, you know, those lucky times where the Leafs are playing on the West Coast. So, yeah. It, it's in the blood, and uh, how good was that opening weekend of NHL playoff hockey? Between Caps that, the Bruins has been else. great. Lightning Panthers has been great. Isles Penguins was great. I mean, they were all good. They were yeah. all good. Forget the betting for a second. That was my favorite sports weekend since March Madness. That was just so much was going on. It was the, the quality of gameplay was so good. It was I, I was. The weather is start, finally starting to get good, and I was still locked to my screen, which I did not think was going to be the case this part of the year. It was just a day. It was just a, a total day. And I, I will say, uh, there settle a debate for me. Um, there are, you know, when your team is not in it, um, a lot of times you can adopt a team in the playoffs. Do you agree mm. with that theory? Do you agree that... Like if you're, you're, you're a Leafs fan, I'm a Devils fan, right? Leafs are in the playoffs. The Devils are not. Can I mm. adopt a team? I, so I probably have a less than typical view of this uh, for a couple of reasons. One, because I work in sports betting and I think, you know, a lot of my uh, fan allegiances are very, Trying to very stay, temporary. Stay objective. Yeah, yeah. The other part of it is, okay, so I grew up in Toronto and uh, Toronto, I did not realize when I was a young kid. Uh, that the rest of Canada maybe doesn't feel as, you know, positively about Toronto as I felt about the rest of Canada. So growing up, I always had this idea in my mind that, all right, well, the Leafs have never been a winner in my lifetime. They haven't won since 1967. But the last Canadian team standing in the playoffs, in my mind, that's who I would rally around. I'm a bit too young to be completely poisoned by even hating the Montreal Canadiens. You know, I, I think it's good for the city of Montreal and Quebec and Canada if they're doing well. I love it. The history of that team forget it. So I realized once I moved from Toronto and then met other Canadians that uh, I very much, yeah, they were not adopting Toronto. So, I mean, for me, I'm adopting teams that I find value uh, betting in them, but otherwise, uh, you know, I have okay. Toronto as to my heart, Liverpool, and that's probably about it. No, but, but here's the, you're, you're, you're helping me fuel an argument. What, <laughs> what, what you can do, for example, as a New Jersey Devils fan, because of my friendship with you, I'm pulling mm -hmm. for the Leafs. I'd oh, like to see, I'd like to see them beat Montreal. That that's an example. One team I'm thinking about jumping on a bandwagon. I, I like the Minnesota Wild. 
I don't know why I like their building. I, I, I don't care. I like Zach Parise. It's it just, I, I might root for the Minnesota wild. What I can't do. And this is very unlike college basketball, which is why I thought this would be a good thing. Like in college basketball, you usually vote uh, root by conference, right? So yeah. in the old big D big East days, if Syracuse lost to Georgetown, that would be fine. You wanted Georgetown to go to the final four. Mm -hmm. Even though you hate them, you want them because you want to represent the Big East. Like you want the Big East to be represented similarly with the Big Ten, the ACC and, and whatnot. And like the SEC NHL, football. Yeah. The NHL, the one sin that you can commit is you cannot root for your rivals when they're in the playoffs. For example, I hope the New York Islanders lose every game from now until eternity. Mm -hmm. And anybody who says that they're going to jump on the Islanders bandwagon to me, you lose your, I've seen Ranger fans do it. I've seen devils fans do it. And I think they should be, they should have their fandom taken away. So despite CDC guidelines, you're still going to be socially distancing yourself from those people. I will. I, I, first of all, the penguins, I, I don't like the penguins much better. So I mean, to be honest with you, Either one of those clowns, you know, advancing is dumb. And, you know, the Bruins and the Capitals, you know, to be honest with you, they we beat the hell out of Boston this year and Washington beat mm -hmm. the hell out of us. You know, and, and but I know those teams. There's familiarity. What I'm saying is jump on a bandwagon. You want to cheer for the Golden Knights? Do it. If you're in a New Jersey fan, if you are a fan of a team, if you're a Detroit Red Wings fan, jump on a team that is not anywhere related to your the league is big enough mm -hmm. and, it, and to me in hockey hockey more than the other sports is about rivalries always it's always about rivalries and i, and I think due to the nature of the sport and that uh, you don't have as higher money lines compared to say basketball and nfl we've talked about this before there's just that much more of a likelihood of close games and so-called upsets I, I think what I've really enjoyed seeing uh, in the evolution of NHL, especially playoff hockey in the last you know, 10, 15 years, is when a team like Nashville makes the playoffs for the very first time, or a team like Carolina when they made it for the very first time. And they're not really on my radar as a hockey fan. You know, Nashville and Carolina, traditionally, you wouldn't think as massive hockey markets. And you see that first playoff game and fans in Tennessee or fans in Carolina are just losing their minds. And then when Minnesota got a team, I mean, Minnesota, it was always going to work there. That's a great traditional hockey market. But uh, yeah, I, I think it's cool for a couple of reasons. Cool, not just because of that, but also because some of these hockey rivalries, they kind of come out of nowhere. Like Detroit, Colorado, they just got feisty as hell with each other in those 90s years. And then that was appointment viewing when it was, you know, Osgood yeah, versus Patrick Wad. That was really, really, you know, yeah, you double well, triple overtime games. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah. I was, you know, that was when I was I, I covered the Avalanche, and I, you know, the Avalanche are an interesting team. That's another team I could j totally justify rooting for. They won the President's Trophy, which could be the kiss of death. Uh, but the the funny part about it is. Like I said, that there are reasons to be rivals. Like, you know, I don't like the Carolina Hurricanes simply because I have friends that are Hartford Whaler fans. They can't deal. They yeah. can't deal. Um, you know, it, it's just you can be you can you can jump on a bandwagon for whatever reason you like, but don't don't root for your arch rivals. 
You don't want to see Lex Luthor winning a fight. You don't want to. I don't want to see the New York Islanders. People on Twitter were like, well, aren't you happy for Kyle Palmieri and Travis Zajac and Andy Green and Corey Schneider and all, all these guys? I'm like, yeah, I'm happy for them personally. I'm happy that they're they're doing well. No, I do not want that franchise to lift a, a Stanley Cup. Yeah, I agree. And uh, since then, again, I've uh, really, really evolved from, you know, that wide eyed youth who thought everything Canada was good. Now, now I root against all of them. I'm completely poisoned after having met, traveled extensively throughout this great country of mine and met a lot of different people from coast to coast and finding out exactly how they feel, not just about Toronto, but the Maple Leafs. Oh, yeah, forget one of the best, uh, you know, one of my favorite hockey moments was uh, Bruins versus Canucks because I've met a lot of Vancouver folks in this line of work in the last five years. And boy, did they love giving me the business for being from Toronto and being like, oh, that was fantastic. That was, I felt so much schadenfreude in my heart and it felt good. And you know what? Sometimes, you know, spite can be, if you can't, uh, if you can't enjoy success, which as a Leafs fan, that's very rare. Uh, you know, sometimes you have to uh, find your enjoyment elsewhere. I, I do got to say, though, the Leafs uh, co-favorite, not co-favorites, they're behind the avalanche, but they're 6-1 to one, uh, before their Thursday night game. They're right there in the mix. I got to say, if they actually do it this year, though, Seth, part of me will think, feel like it's not real if they're not doing it in front of fans. And that's something that I really worry about, as I think uh, Canada's got just under two weeks now to figure out how they're going to sort out that portion of the playoffs. Well, if they're not going to have fans, what they should do is relocate. They should not be in their home arenas. They should be able to play uh, north of the border, uh, south of the border, rather, uh, play in Detroit, play in Buffalo, you know, depending on who makes it, you know. Um, you know, if there's fans, that's one thing. But if they're not fans, you know, one thing we have to, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago with regard to the Olympics, which are still not a guarantee. Uh, mm -hmm. Even though they are defiant, NBC is defiant that they are going to have the Olympics. The argument for Canada is, and I don't judge anybody on their COVID situation. You know, it, the fact of the matter is, is that you can put fans in the building in, you know, all the U.S. arenas. If the Canadian advancer, if the North Division advancer goes into the, the that conference final round. There's not going to be conference finals. It's going to be a, a catch as catch can. It's the four winners of the divisions are just going to go into a group of four. Uh, the Canadian group should come south of the border and stay there to, for, in essence, be out of Canada until it, they're, they're eliminated. I, I, I agree. And uh uh, it's kind of uh, sucks as a Canadian hockey fan, but uh, it, it makes and the most sell sense. Tickets I mean, and sell tickets on the contingency that the Canadian franchise gets some of that revenue. Well, I mean, yeah, there, there's a way to, uh, you know, polish uh, this a bit so that it's a little bit uh, more amenable. But yeah, I mean, I mean if, if they don't do that, uh, the contrasting scenes between uh, what that other series is going to look like, that conference final series, or whatever uh, that third round is going to be. No, but they wouldn't now, do it. They wouldn't have an American team go north. They're not going to get an exemption. So the, it's the only way they can do it. They're either loosening restrictions or they, I, what I think is happening right now is they're going through contingencies on what happens on who advances. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if it's an Eastern team, then get an Eastern arena, by the way, if you if there is a hockey God, if the commissioner of, uh, of, of the NHL is listening, put it in the Prudential Center. I'll go to every goddamn game. Come on, <laughs> Patrick, that would be awesome. We'll, well FaceTime thinking, during the game. 
I was thinking that Leafs fans uh, are some of the more well-traveled fans. I know there are complications. The problem there, is, but- is leaving can- Canada. I, well, I talked to some people who, who friends of mine who live in Canada and they came down to visit relatives in America and they said yeah. leaving is easy. It's getting back. That's hard. Yes. Yeah. As it currently stands, uh, you've got a quarantine for at least three days uh, at a government facility before you go back home and finish it. I guess I was thinking pie in the sky that, you know, I'm seeing all these different uh, sports teams operate, you know, come to the game and get a jab at the same time. You know, a lot of Canadians are still waiting to get, you know, their second Pfizer, second Moderna. Why not tie that into, you know, a game in New York or something like that? Fly, get your second shot with your ticket. Oh, you come back, you could waive restrictions, but I don't know. I, I think sometimes I make a little bit too much uh, sense uh, to be taken seriously. So I can understand why we're probably not going that route. But yeah, it's got to be games in front of fans. It's so good watching these U.S. games. I'm already preemptively frustrated with what Toronto-Montreal is going to look like on Thursday. And that's in before Toronto breaks my heart as they tend to do this time of year. No, I totally get it. I totally understand. Uh, The NHL playoffs have just, they've been just stinking great. Uh, and uh, we'll wait and see. We'll you know we'll wait and see everything that's going on. the 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 bracket is is such that uh, the matchups are are fascinating. And like I said, uh, I, you know, I was going to ask you just from a money standpoint, is that a proper way to gauge? Because in the U.S., uh, ratings have been down. Uh, there's no secret about that. I think it has to do with the weather and the fact that the the country's opening up and nobody's staying home uh, and they're missing great action. But still, I think that's the way this is going. Um, but it's also it's hard to bet on hockey because it's so close. Yeah, it is. I mean, it does lend uh, itself to, you know, a lot of people who feel like they actually have a shot if they're taking these 20 to one, 40 to one shots like, uh, you know, teams like the Canadians and the Jets are leading into the playoffs. I, I do got to say, this really stunned me when I saw this the other day. Uh, the Colorado Avalanche, we currently have them as uh, three to one uh, Stanley Cup faves right now uh, on an island by themselves. We've never had a team that large a favorite going into the playoffs. Really? And wow. I was looking I was looking at uh, some advanced analytics uh, guys that I really appreciate on Twitter, some guys from The Athletic, ESPN, elsewhere. I, you know, I cast in a pretty wide pool. And some of them were suggesting that their models had Colorado's highs 38% to win the Stanley Cup this year, which seems insane at the outset of the playoffs. That is just absolutely nuts. I think it was about uh, 6% or 7% higher than any of their historical models as well. That's how bullish they are on Colorado. The problem is it's still hockey. You know, the puck still has got to bounce the right way. They've got to deal with a hot goalie at some point. Yeah, hot goalie or something, you know one fluke play and a game gets thrown out, you know, that's why to me, the lines, you know, I, I'm very skeptical when it comes to lines. Like I will say, this Mm -hmm. is great to bet on. This is, this scares me. This would be alarming to bet on. And generally what you see as a result, uh, especially uh, just looking at our NHL uh, futures liabilities right now is you see uh, much more of a liberal kind of sprinkling of where that betting action is. You don't really see that consolidation of everyone betting just behind one team. I mean, there's a little bit more money on Colorado than there is on the Leafs, but it's, it's a perfect kind of staggered trickle down looking at Tampa, then Vegas and Carolina after that. So as a result, uh, you know, we're actually in a really great spot at Bavada right now where out of all of our NHL positions, uh, none of them are negative. We really just mm. do have the perfect cut. So we can kind of, for the most part, sit back and enjoy the games and, uh, the more and more that we're getting, uh, you know, these great overtime ones, the more it's challenging us to kind of add to our in-game offering as well. 
So, uh, for example, Bruins uh, Washington the other night uh, again, another overtime game. Oh my god! And what so, a great game. And Taylor Hall. Oh my god! What a play. Oh, he's so good, so powerful, so. Oh, I can't believe he didn't work out elsewhere, but uh, yeah, it's incredible to see him have that kind of success now, and hopefully he can have a bit of a run. Even though you know, I, I cheer for players more than I do teams, and I do like Taylor Hall. Uh, but yeah, Brad Marchand. Uh, you know, we offered that actually just before they went to overtime. Uh, who will score the game-winning goal in overtime? Just to try and add a little bit to our in-game offering, because with these 18-minute intermissions, it gets a little bit boring if we're just offering who's going to win the game outright. So. You know, we're looking for opportunities to try and add to that because with 18 minutes, you know, we can be a little bit creative. I think we had uh, which team will get the first shot on goal as well. And uh, we made a little bit of money on that, just uh, thinking Bergeron with the advantage in the faceoff. So we're getting a little bit creative with it. But uh, it, it's great when the games are this exciting because it uh, makes us want to be creative, it makes us want to do our part to try and add to them in the very humble ways that we can. It's, it's, it's wild. Uh, it, it, it certainly is. All right. From the ice to the track. Uh, horse racing, uh, controversy, Bob Baffert suspended, no official ruling on the Kentucky Derby. So, uh, what does that do? And then there's the Belmont and, um, you know, the, it's coming up in a couple of weeks. What about the state of horse racing and how does this all impact? Cause to me, this is where Bavada has some decisions to make, doesn't it? Yeah. I mean, what'll be interesting going forward is, uh, this is the classic, uh, you know, not fiasco, but I, I, I mean, it's always a bit more preferable for a book like us at Bavada if you have the same horse that won the Kentucky Derby, won the Preakness afterwards, because that guarantees that kind of interest in continued coverage and continued betting when you get to the Belmont. Now, Belmont, uh, I mean, it'll be on NBC. We're going to watch. It's not going to get the kind of betting that we would have uh, got otherwise if uh, Medina Spirit uh, was able to win back-to-back. Even with the controversy around it, I think uh, that would still garner enough viewers for that final race. Um Looking back at the Preakness, though, I did enjoy the fact that I was able to uh, have some success with some anti-Baffert bets. I was able to bet uh, a Baffert horse not to win. And then I think I just had Midnight Bourbon uh, to beat Medina Spirit head-to-head. Uh, and then, of course, I promptly lost all of that betting hockey that night. So just full disclosure, I don't like to, uh, you know, I would never want to suggest to the listeners that all I do is win bets. No, uh, the, the bookies give it, the bookies take it away, but uh, it was such a great day of sports on Saturday that it didn't even bother me. Yeah, I mean, right. And, you know, the NBA is uh, getting set for its play-in games. Uh, nope. The NBA playoffs are getting underway, and, you know, there's a lot to compare it to. Last year, the playoffs were great, but they didn't have travel involved. They were all in that bubble in Orlando. This year, the playoffs are there. Uh, now that we know all the matchups and to tell you the truth, uh, all I want are, comp- I want it to feel as dramatic and I want the competition to be like the Stanley cup playoffs. I hate this constant comparisons, but don't worry. I compare baseball too. when you're talking best of seven series. I want them to be edge of your seat. I want game two to feel like some of these game twos have, have felt. Yeah, and that's something that uh, the NBA certainly misses out. I mean, the, the first round of NHL hockey, uh, I, I feel like this is the case each year. Uh, you're going to have some overtime games. You're going to have some really good back and forth. You're going to have rivalries kind of come out of nowhere. Uh, and, uh, you know, all, again, all of a sudden uh, we're talking, you know, Pittsburgh Philly is, is an obvious one. But getting back to NBA, yeah, I mean, that opening round is, uh, you know, usually your one seed is rolling your eighth seed, and it's a pretty big exception to the rule when that's not the case. 
Uh, you know, I, I, I appreciate that the NBA is doing something different with the play-in games. And I always give the NBA credit for, out of all the leagues, being the, uh, probably the most outside the box in its thinking. I do appreciate that it is kind of manufactured entertainment, uh, that they are kind of changing things on the fly to go this route. But you know what? It's If you want to say, tell me that a 72-game regular season was COVID-impacted, I'll buy it. But if this goes back to regular and if the NBA next year plays 82 games, I don't want to have these play in games. A lot of people have said, isn't this great? You are rewarding mediocrity. And it just it it, it continues to be to me making it seem like the NBA only cares about its top three teams in each conference. And that's literally it. Yeah, I mean, what I would probably do different, uh, and I know this will never be the case because whether it's the NBA or NFL, we're not eliminating games. We are simply stacking games on top of games, on top of games. But if we don't like the play of games, I think what I would appreciate probably is giving your one and two seed actually a buy in the first round, just having six teams from each conference get in, really make that regular season more meaningful and really reward those teams uh, at the top of the class in the West and the East. But yeah, I, I mean, this... NBA round one is not something really of interest. And if it is, it's usually because one of the teams that's traditionally pretty good, you know, struggled with injuries along the way and are essentially kind of misseeded. Now, don't get me wrong. It means the regular season is meaningful to that in that extent. But uh, yeah, I, I mean, you can't, co- you can't compare NBA round one to NHL round one and, you know, try and tell me what's more exciting. The NHL is a point of view. The NBA, more often than not, we're skipping ahead to that second, maybe even third round, especially in the West and East. Yeah, I I think, like I said, you know, last year there was nothing but competition. This year, you just hope it continues. Just keep up that momentum. Next week and in future episodes of the podcast, we'll get more into the favorites and, and, and whatnot. All I'm saying is let's get off to a good start and play good games. That's what we want, because last year, I will say I was glued to the screen to see the NBA playoffs. I thought the games were fantastic. That run by the Miami Heat and the run by the Denver Nuggets, even though they didn't go all the way to the finals, was fantastic. Yeah, and there was certainly something to be said about uh, the quality of basketball being played when it's all on the same surface and those players can really dial in. Uh, we and it was great for us as odds makers. We had so many more uh, constants as data points to, you know, inform how we were handicapping this stuff. Uh, now that we will have traditional home court advantage play its part again, at least on an elevation point of view. I mean, I, I haven't seen exactly what each city is going to do with uh, indoor attendance, but I mean, like, hey, Utah's home court advantage is going to be there again, and that's meaningful in the fourth quarter of games. They play, they play people tough, especially at home, and they are problematic for anybody that gets them. Uh, I will be excited for that part when we get to that part, but otherwise, you know, more often than not, I'll see you in round two NBA. (laughs) That's absolutely right. That'll do it for this issue of the Bavada at odds podcast. Uh, My name is Seth Everett. He is Patrick Morrow. Uh, Make sure you go to Bavada.lv to check out all the latest odds. Uh, We'll be back next week. We'll talk about the champions league and why is that so big? Even in North America, we'll talk about it next week. Thanks for listening. Thanks for downloading. And please continue to rate and review. We'll see you next week.